So, man, in a sense, I don't, I, I don't believe this would happen if there was the mind was thoroughly identified with self. I just don't believe it would happen. I see somewhat the value in the conditional mind's perspective because what's out there or in there is... Uh, <laughs> we may not be as matched, so to speak. So you know how we stay inanely busy and this and that. I believe there's an also an agenda there. The mind's a little worried about emptiness. <laughs> no thickness. I really... I do. I mean... <laughs> I see that... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't all for just craziness. There's a certain sense of strategy that you're not privy to, but the mind is. And, you know, uh, to go into the unknown, I don't think is a... You know, it's a wonderful event, but... You need a lot of support, I'd say, and uh, and just a lot of grace in a way. So the idea of self not being you is an well. There is no self not being you. the The sense of being who you are, produced by selfing, in a way, is a very limiting factor. Yeah, its job is to limit and to contract. It's, it's truly driven by security in a weird way, too. Yeah? So, if it can keep knowing the unknown, if it can keep giving name and form to the unknown, it seems to get a sense of somewhat security. Now, you may not like all that the confines of the security, but I would say conditional mind has different hierarchies of agenda that your little narration may not be privy to. Yeah? So the head has an idea... It ain't going somewhere. And you may have an idea that you really like to go there. Yeah? But this one narration, the little voice box, its agenda doesn't uh, stand up to the prime, you know, the, the larger agendas that you may not have any understanding of. You may not get any downloads about. Yeah? So there's a discomfort in, in, the, in the contraction, but... To the mind, there's a security in the contraction because it gets to know things. It gets to feel safe with, oh, this is the way it is. I go here, this happens, I get that, I go back, I do this, I do that, this person, da, 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 da. Yeah? And in a sense, it may seem to kill life in a lot of ways, but maybe from one aspect of conditional mind, it's actually the way of sterilizing it or making it antiseptic or making it not such a threat. Because the conditional mind really finds security in knowing. Yeah? And the unknown, I think, flips the bejesus out of it. <laughs> Literally, to be thrust into the unknown... It tends to want to contract even more and get back into how it is, the way it sees things to be. Yet it may bitch about that all the time, but like that thing I shared last week about Wilhelm Reich and that emotional plague of man, everyone's bitch saying they'd really like to get out of it, but they don't really want to get out of it. The freedom is right where they think they're caught. Yeah. So maybe the conditional mind's sense of security is like a false freedom, and it actually becomes the prison 
that we seem to live in. Yeah? Yet, we're afraid to go into the unknown. We've gotten comfortable in the prison. Yeah? We don't feel totally right about it, so we build little institutions inside the prison saying, oh yes, someday, lifetimes from now, you'll leave the prison. And that's okay, I can handle that. You know, go for an hour on Sunday or go to Shabbat and temple and hallelujah and sing songs. But basically, that ain't taken anyway out of the prison in a sense. It's just inside the corner. There's no prison, but it's sort of inside there to sort of soothe our guilt for not wanting to be free. Yeah? In a way. So... It almost seems like there's a deal with the devil. All right, I'm going to give up all this elan vital, all this spontaneity, all this immediacy for the security of knowing. Yeah. So what happens when selfing kicks in? Selfing immediately starts giving name and form to everything else. Yes. It gives everything a name and everything a form, so that what, so that it can know it. And in a way, know it to the point where it nudes it. Yeah? The I don't know is really the true faith. The true faith mind is I don't know. That's the true faith mind. That's when there's a true abandonment to what is. Yeah, A true abandonment. A real letting go. Because there's nothing to hold on to. There comes a point where all the name and form is seen through, and you're right where you've always been in the mystery, in the unknownness of this place. Yeah. So I would saddle up and cozy up to the unknown when you can, so that uh, because in a way, insecurity is the best security, or uncertainty is the greatest certainty. It's this sort of paradoxical, dualistic twist, yeah? So, what we call certainty may not be certain at all. Obviously, we're proven wrong quite a lot. I was certain that I knew what the worst thing that had happened to me was, and then my mind shifted in the program of recovery, and then after a year or two, I, re- I looked at that same event and saw it as the best thing that had happened to me. Yeah. What was it? Obviously, it was neither. It's what my mind gives it. I think my mind likes to give a lot of meaning to it because it's the way of being safe. Nothing can jump up and surprise it. Oh, I know that. That's a cat. That's a girlfriend. That's a this or that. It's sort of like neutering everything so that you can feel safe. But who's actually feeling safe? Is it worthy of a whole life being given up to provide safety for it? Is it you? Because the only thing that would be worthy of giving up all this life for its safety would be that it's you. If it's not you, maybe you'll let it go. Maybe the mind will sort of, instead of being glommed on or this gravitational pull that's keeping this whole thing going on, maybe there can be a break when the planet Paul's maybe entertained as not being the planet Paul, or the center of this little mental solar system, which is truly a moon, which is reflecting the sun's light, maybe this idea of Paul is just a moon. Maybe all of the animation of Paul is from the sun, and all I'm doing is reflecting the sun's light, and through that reflection I'm giving everything meaning and name and form to make it safe in my little solar system. Who knows? It could be. 
What would happen, instead of looking from the planet Paul, you would look, maybe, as, not from and as the planet Paul, but from the planet Paul and look back and see the sun. Let the mind reflect the sun. Now, for a while, it may be you having, you're reflecting the sun, but one moment it's going to go, that's the, I'm the sun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I'm that which is being reflected. I am not this idea of Paul having an experience of the great sun. I am the sun that's reflecting on this mirror. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So. so I find it really, really incredibly helpful over the years to watch people who have entertained this possibility that they're not that. First of all, what happens is they get freed from all the name and form. That's been, that things have been given. Yes? So, maybe all their relationships never worked, and then suddenly they have a working relationship. All these surprises, the possibilities for those, those surprises to occur becomes available, because the, the loosening of the bonds to this idea of self is, is, is happening. Yeah? So now, instead of like everything being exclusive, things may become inclusive. Maybe you can say it's not either or, but both. Things happen. The mind comes out of that mental yogic posture called selfing, you know, and opens up. And obviously, it can receive and express much differently when it's like this than when it's like this, yeah? Totally different, yeah? totally different like this than like this. You'll be thinking you want it, but there's no way you can receive anything, can you? You're just wrapped up in yourself. You're embracing yourself all day. What are you, you going to receive? Everything that comes towards you, you smack it with a meaning. You give it a name, and then you neuter it. Every message it could be bringing you, you kill the messenger. <laughs> you never get it. All you get is they, t- they hand you the invitation and your mind's written a new one. Oh, I got it. I get this. Yeah, I get this. Yeah. And that's not the invitation. <laughs> it's like the invitation of nothingness comes in an envelope, let's say a conceptual envelope. The conditional mind just grabs the conceptual envelope. That's its message. Even when it opens up, it doesn't recognize nothing. It doesn't get the message. It gets the idea, the concepts of the message, yeah? But it misses the whole message, is the nothingness, that the, that the words were conveying. They were like a vehicle to bring this little bit of a, you know, tickling for that nothingness to go, oh, yeah? But the, what happens is the nothingness is seen as nothing, and then the words, the envelope, oh, when was this sent? Where was this sent? Oh, it's the wrong address. This is not for me. It's for you. Oh, I bet, you know. <laughs> so, why not start at the crux of the matter? Yeah? Why not start at the first knot? If there's a whole string of knots, like financial security, health, relationships, but maybe, maybe they are in a linear format, when it comes to manifesting here, because this place is of time, yeah? That maybe there's a first knot. And maybe the first knot influences all the other knots, yet all the other knots don't influence the first knot. Because it's the first knot. Yeah? 
What would happen if that first knot was being identified with what you're not? Yeah? The mind actively presenting by claiming everything that happens, which is brought to us by the true liver of life, consciousness or awareness. Yeah? So all that's brought to us by conscious contact, by claiming that and saying, I did that, I'm hearing, I'm seeing, yes? What would happen if that initial bond of the claiming of what I would call God in a way, that's to me the ultimate playing God, is you actually believe you're what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. That you're a unique, special thing that's different than all the other things. What would happen if maybe, just maybe, hey, I'm not that which is claiming conscious contact. Where would my attention immediately go to? Conscious contact, obviously. Yeah. If it was freed from this idea of being me, and it's like an enslavement, really. Because a lot of times you don't want to be paying attention to you, but you can't help it. Yeah. It's like a habit. It's like an addiction. It's like just like when we used to go out. It was an addiction. We were driven to get loaded. The idea of partying had long since gone. It was an occupation for me. Yeah. That was I. That was the imperative. I was enslaved, and I followed through on that every fucking day. Yeah. So, in a sense, your attention is like been wedded to this idea of being Paul or Jack. All that, all what, all that means, and it can't seem to pull itself off. So it, so it sometimes will go to extremes, like jumping off bridges, shooting a huge amount of drugs, driving a motorcycle super fast, taking a 40-foot wave, doing this to try to get a shock of what life would be without Paul. You know what I mean? If I could just shock it into submission, I'd really feel alive. And you do. You can call them those peak experiences. But I would say almost probably every peak experience has one similar ingredient. There was a level of absence of self or absence of selfing that was in it. Yeah? No matter if it was jumping off a bridge, taking a 50-foot wave, driving a motorcycle 130 miles per hour, all different events, but I would imagine there would be one quality in all of them that would be the same, which is you forgot yourself. Yeah? You were in at a, a level of self-forgetting. And that's and then suddenly you don't see the correlation with a peak experience and the self-forgetting. <laughs> to go hand in hand. Almost any experience can be a peak experience in self-forgetting. You don't have to jump off a bridge. If you're motivated to do that, fine. But you may not have to go to such extremes anymore because the the self-forgetting will be activated. Yes? Why? Because you're not that. Simple as that. I found why it's very difficult to give up self is we're attempting to do it as self. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. That's the second little lock in the little bondage of self. The bondage of self isn't just a very simple lock. It's got two Two major locks. The first lock is, oh, our attention and interest is in it. The second lock is, our attention and interest is in getting out of it. 
But the same interest and attention is wedded to the idea of being the one who's in it and the one who's getting out of it, yeah? So yeah, it seems like a natural thing. I want to get out of self, but you may be trying to get out of self, quote-unquote, as self, which obviously it's going to be a defeat as <laughs> right from the start. <laughs> because self can't get out of self. Especially if the only thing that self is, is an, is an appearance engendered by an activity of a mental process. Let me say that again. It's an appearance engendered by the activity of a mental process called selfing. If the selfing isn't generating the appearance of self, there is no self. That's why in a peak experience, when life rushes up on you so heavy, it's that the mind is so engaged, it's not generating or engendering that selfing, and therefore the appearance of self doesn't occur. Yeah. As soon as the event stops, usually it kicks right back up, and then the self rises and claims the experience as, hey, that was my peak experience. Yeah. But it actually had nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when self, so the first thing is, all right, first you've got to know it's fucking you. Right, so it starts in recovery, yeah? You've got to be convinced that any life run on self will is hardly a success, that self is what is defeated us. All right, you can get that. But the second lock, we did, they didn't get to. The second lock is, if, if you're identified as self, then you are the problem. I think that it says that in the book. It says, we're not people who have problems, we are the problem. Yeah? I think that's pretty clear in there. So, if you are the problem, then the idea of getting out of self, yes, has already been blown away. Because as the problem, the problem can't leave the problem and be a solution. It's, you know, because that's the problem. The problem isn't how bad it is or how good it is. It's the identification as that idea or that appearance that the mind in selfing is engendering, you know? It's inferring, it's pointing to that phantom, vague someone called Paul, yeah? The one that's here before everything happens, and it's here when things stop happening. I'm the constant. I'm here now, something occurs, I'm there when it does stop occurring, yeah? But if you look at it clearly, it's that feeling is produced. The feeling of being historically prior to everything else is produced. Yeah. In a sense, we're later than everything else. Because the conscious contact is where the rub is hitting the road. Yeah. The conscious contact. The mental process occurs, quote unquote, later than the conscious contact. And it arises. And it claims to be the one who's in conscious contact, so it slips behind the camera it can never stand behind. Because it's an object in front of the camera, not the subject. Yeah? yeah. So what happens is, alright, so okay, self is what really fucked me up. That's great information. Then we take it a little farther. But how it continues to defeat me is I'm identified as it. Just like, I mean, to do a simple test. 
if you go to any recovery meeting and you ask them if they've had time in the program, ask them what self-defeated them, they'd all say the same answer. Myself. M-Y. Yeah? My owning, claiming, having. Yes, proprietor of. This is myself. It's myself that defeats me. Self doesn't defeat me at all. Myself defeats me. That's a very important point. Yeah? Instead of calling self like an object that has a life of its own that's hovering around, kicking your ass when it wants to, yeah? You've got to see that it's, it's here. It's the mind that's here that's giving it all the power it has to affect it. Yeah? It's distributing its energy to this idea, and then that idea is walloping it with its own energy. Yeah? How? By the claiming of it. Conscious contact, I'm the one who's in conscious contact. Doing, I'm the doer. Yeah. Having, this is my life. Don't fuck with my life. Well, fuck with your life. Yeah. Everything changes with this little movement of my. Okay, so okay. If, if, the, if we are the problem, what could it be? If we were the problem, then it would be a, hope, then it would be a hopeless state of mind and body. If we were the problem. But it says that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So it only appears to be true and false as much as you appear to be true or false. So when the self is appearing to be true, you're getting your ass fucking kicked. <laughs> when it's not appearing to be true, you got relief from it. Yeah? We're just throwing a little idea in there. Maybe I'm not that. Yeah? I mean, I was struggling with self for a long, long time, but I never came to the possibility I was not that. I mean, the match was rigged from the get-go. It could have gone 80, 80 rounds. It was, I was always going to get pinned because I was identified with both the both wrestlers. You know what I mean? But now, as soon as I heard, I swear, it's so beautiful, that, hey, you may not be that. What do you mean? You may, I may not be what's defeating me? Yeah. All right. That in second, my mind entertained what it could not entertain before. I can be free from it. Yeah. It was entertained being free, but as it, which is not a freedom. It really isn't. You may, the, the degrees of the hell you're in may go down a couple of degrees. You may get a better position in the insane asylum. But basically, you're still in the format. But in this case, yeah, oh, I may not be that. I can be free from it. Not free as it, yeah, but free from it. It's totally into being free as it. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible, subtle level of bondage being free of self. But it's bondage nonetheless. But this is free from it. Once the mind falls upon that possibility, there's no stopping it. It has an incredible level of being able to entertain. That's what brings things into being, in a sense. That's how things occur here. So here's the mind, never being able to entertain being free from it, only being able to entertain being free as it, which wasn't working, because there was an identification as this idea, self, yeah? And the mind had lost its own qualities and taken on the qualities of this little hybrid of spirit, and body called me. Yeah? I, I can be free of it. Shit. All right. 
How will I know if I'm, when I'm free? Don't worry. You'll find out. What's the best attitude I can have? Don't know, as my friend Mark says. What? Yes. That seems like it'd be really uncertain. I know, but that's the true certainty. Ah, Confucius say, in uncertainty is true certainty. Yes? I can rely in a way on what doesn't look reliable. Can't see it, can't sit on it, can't hold it, you know, can't privatize it. But it's the most reliable thing of all. It's like that thing I say, nothingness is the gift that keeps on giving. There's no stopping nothingness. It never runs out <laughs> of its non-matter, so to speak. Yeah? It's, it's not like a well that ever dries. <laughs> it doesn't have quantity or, or, or restrictions. It's nothing. <laughs> Where does nothing start and where does it stop? What are you going to tell me? Look at that little bit of nothing on the floor over there. What else? Uh, Now it's nothing. (laughs) There you go. I've killed nothing. No. The mind just shifts. It finally, like the single eye opens and the continual duality bifocals occur. They see things and this and that. But the single eye opens and the body is full of light. Yeah? Clarity reigns supreme. Now, when you look in, you don't hit your cheekbones. It's like an open theater that just goes on and on and on and on and on. Just clear space, so to speak. Yeah? Imminently possible, anything can arise out of it. Now that's freedom for me, because it's not a freedom that's attained or achieved, so it can't be lost. It's not a freedom that you deserve, so you can't undeserve it. It's not produced by merit, it's not produced by anything, it's not producible. It's a whole nother ball game, yeah? You'll still be wearing the Yankee uniform, but you'll be playing in a whole other place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, I love the way supposedly Jesus Christ said who was, I don't know who he was but I love that statement, we're in this world but we're not of this world it's such a beautiful statement, it's so incredibly clear, so you're in here yeah, it seems to be totally into it, but you're not of it this, this mental idea of being in here is being of here yeah it doesn't mean it negates the experience of being in here. It just negates the assumption that I'm of this place. That's all it does. It doesn't even negate it. It just questions it. The th- and an appearance will negate itself when seen. Yeah. There's no thing called an illusion. Yeah. There's no thing called an illusion. It appears to be an illusion from the person who's seeing. Yeah. But it has no quality in and of itself to fool anything. So here, okay, here's the possibility. You may not be that. Maybe the activity of the mental process is to produce this whole energy, this whole narration of life based on self, yeah? This whole story based on time, 
and, and spreads all of its meaning on all of these names and forms it's thrown out. And basically, you can't seem to escape from self. It's everywhere. All your meanings, all this, the one who's having the experiences, everything is fucking claimed. Yeah? But if you're not that, that's the solution. That's the freedom. Because you actually finally see the prison, though incredible, the bars are cold, the cot sucks, the springs are sticking out, the toilet's backed up, yes? It seems as real as real can be, but it ain't. It's an incredible possibility. Yeah. It's funny because we have to call it a possibility because we're in a giant field of impossibilities taken to be true. <laughs> so we've got a <laughs> the everlasting always so what is has to be seen maybe possibly as a possibility. You know what I mean? I mean just possibly could have some relevance here. <laughs> That's how up the ass of self we are. <laughs> that's what's always so and always available at all times. It seemed to be never addressed, never felt, never sensed. You know, but hey, you know, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm gonna go to that meeting and sit here and entertain the possibility. I'm gonna be what I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm no. I'm gonna not be what I'm not. No, what the hell can I do? <laughs> You can't do it. That's the good news. This message doesn't... There's no, like, handlebars on it. There's no grip. There's no way you can... A, a good toehold. There's none of that. It just gets in. Let it do its thing. Yeah. If it opens mind, go with it, yes? If the fruit seem to be cool, then start honoring the tree. Yeah, just... And uh, all those things they talk about in recovery will be amplified. You will lose interest in your little plans and designs. You will gain interest in others. You will see what you can contribute to life, not take out of it. Yes? All these things are, are not only possibilities, they're almost assured of if you open up to the solution. This is the new subdued Paul. You know. May even have a meditation before the meeting. <laughs> Never. Yeah. So you've been following this, eh? A little while. You drop it in, see what it does, yeah? You try to flush it down, but it always appears again. It's just nothing. No, nothing's getting underneath my skin. Yeah, just like alcoholism, AA fucks up your drinking, really. 
I've never had the experience, but I've watched enough people who've gone back out, and it sucks after they've had a, they have a head full of AA and a belly full of beer. It doesn't work. <laughs> What's been revealed to them? New, 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 new. Well, in a sense, for me, this is the same way. Yeah. It really gives you. Uh, it casts. It casts the mental process called selfing in a different light. Almost as, you know, there's light going to it all the time. But let's say when the light's enslaved to it, let's say that's like a, like a brownish-black light. Yeah? Then there's a little possibility I'm not that. Then the light gets, let's say, light blue. Yeah? It's the same attention, but now the attention, its own qualities are becoming obvious not just what it's being attending to, but the attention is crackling. You start sensing attention. You start sensing consciousness or awareness. And then it's always enough to recognize anything. Yeah? But it usually gets so much into the thing, this thing or all the things it seems to think it has or runs into or does, yeah? that it loses its nature. You don't even recognize what, what an unbelievable event, consciousness, you know? That there's this unbelievable field of onness right now that we're, we're like, we're like the, the dumbest fish in all the ocean. We just can't sense the ocean. We can't get it. We're like, what, where's this experience of wetness I hear about? Because we're totally wet all the time. You'd have to not be wet to have an experience of wetness, but we're always in, they're always in that field. Yeah? So it, the mind needs to be retrained in a sense to pick up what's always so because it's forgotten to how to see that. Yeah? It only sees things that come and go, that were here once and go away, yes? Or change and erode. That's Or we're able to compare it with something else. But wholeness can't be compared with anything else. It's all it is. Yeah? Nothingness can't be, can't get another nothingness and compare it with the nothingness. There's no way to judge it with our little gauges and barometers and, and uh, spectrums, yeah? It sort of flies right by us all day. It's, we're, in, we're immersed in it. We are it, yeah? Yet we can't seem to pick it up. I say, I truly say, when that antenna of selfing gets broken or just brought down a little bit, then you'll have that. You have the ability to sense presence. You have the ability to see nothing. You have the ability to experience seeing and leave it at that, and hearing and leaving it at that, and smelling and leave it at that, and thinking and leave it at that. Yeah, not immediately assume the position of thinker. Or not go get totally into what's been thought, but just the activity, yeah? That field of awareness that brings about the recognition or the acknowledgement or the noting of something occurring. Without the field of awareness, there wouldn't be any occurrences here at all. There would be nothing to be aware of. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't let me get started on grace, because there's a lot of availability. I don't. I like that term, but I mean, 
you may want you may like to call it when the mind lets go go lets go of what's known yeah before it really gets what's unknown grace is there grace is sort of like a it's like a, a, a crutch that allows it gives you a sense of a volcanoes when nothing seems to be okay. Yeah. Grace is like almost, it's like the pause. It's like a, a benevolent pause at the, that threshold of the unknown. Yeah. It sort of like leads us. It sort of leads us. It's got, it seems like it has a benign intelligence or something. Now let's not say benign or benevolent, but just, it's got something. Yeah. I don't f- call it a separate thing. There's not, no thing called grace, but just an aspect of mind. I like that term. It seems to capture its its flavor. Yeah. If you've had, if you've sensed grace in one's life, this is the flavor it has for me. It sort of allows you to be soothed when nothing's uh, informing you of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Any questions? That's addiction. There's nothing like addiction and faith. When you're addicted to something with great faith, it's really, it's... I mean, I had a very intense relationship with cocaine. I I was very addicted to it, but I had no faith in it. Because there's always, sometimes it was good, sometimes it wasn't. But we, in our addictions to self, we have total faith in everything that's being fucking said up there. I mean, that's how it has such a fucking impact on us. It can be the shittiest dope, and yet we still get loaded on it, yeah? Where Coke, it was shitty, you didn't get loaded on it, yeah? It's sort of like, it had to prove itself to you. All right, let's see if it's good. Bam up, yeah? This doesn't anymore. It takes the it's it's run it's been running the same loop for thirty years in your life and you fall for it every freaking time. What is it because it's really good? It's the faith in it. It's the faith in it. It's in the faith in it. Faith and addiction is an incredible combination. To be addicted to mind and have faith in the mind you're addicted to, whoop! Man, no way. Yeah? That's a tough one to get out of, eh? There's no rehabs or detoxes on there. There's no detoxes that detox themselves, is there? People promise, oh yeah, you're going to get relief, but they don't describe actually what the dilemma is. They never spend much time on the first of the eight views, supposedly, which is right view, or the first of the eight uh, fold path of Buddhism. The right view, very rarely a lot of time spent on that. It's all about right understanding, right meditation, right, right livelihood, as if that's going to produce the right view. But actually, if you look at it linearly, the right view produces the right meditation, the right livelihood, the right understanding. It's like putting the, the cart before the horse. You're trying to meditate yourself into a view, the right view. But you'll be feeling like you're the one that's meditating, which quote unquote is the wrong view. <laughs> There's a little dilemma there, yeah, isn't it? 
So yes, go three months. Go and meditate for three months. Yeah. And then you'll go back and read, maybe, and see, oh, there is no self. I need do nothing. Okay. <laughs> it would have been nice if you read it before you went three months into this kuta, kuti in Thailand, sat there and got mosquito bit every night and lost 30 pounds. But hey, whatever happens, happens. But yeah. So this is like an understanding or a right view. Hopefully, like Mark says, it will turn into vision. Yeah, you'll get glimpses of the vision, and I, I firmly believe, I have faith in it, that the vision can become dominant. Yeah, and then the view doesn't even mean much anymore because the vision, the view is sort of like a substitute until the vision is established. Yeah, once the vision is established, you even let go of that that raft. Yeah, when you get over to the other shore, you let go of that raft. Yeah, so yeah. That's it for the second time. <laughs>